Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Amen. What a beautiful day it is today. <clears throat> Thank you, Pastor Ben, for this opportunity to uh, bring the Word of God this morning. I really honour and I, um, it's, a, it's a very honourable thing to be standing here and to proclaim the Word of God. I haven't done this in a long, long time. I think the last time I preached, it would have been 2020. So when I was preparing the sermon, I was, I was praying, God, remind me, how do I do this whole preaching thing again? <laughs> so help me out, Lord. So, uh, but I trust uh, the Lord will speak to our hearts this morning. So praise you, praise you, Jesus. Amen. How good is the word for Pastor Pintu this morning? You know, I had the um, privilege to have Pastor Pintu come to our small group on Thursday in the cafe. <clears throat> man, I was inspired. This man lives in a country, Bangladesh, where persecution is severe. And he has baptized 600 Muslims in a country where persecution is severe. Well, you can get killed for preaching the name of Jesus. And I thought, man, I got no excuse. I got no excuse uh, to not tell people about the good news of Christ. The worst you can get in this country is people can say, no, thank you. That's the worst we can get in this country. We get out on the courthouse every Thursday and that's the worst I've caught. No, thank you. But I'll have a, have a bottle of water. <laughs> So thank you, sir. You're a man of God. You really inspired us on Thursday. God be with you in everything you do. This morning as I was uh, getting, getting ready for church, my good wife came to me and gave me a few instructions. <laughs> and uh, she said, um, when you get up on that stage, make sure you smile. Make sure you smile. And she said, remember that you are looking after the evangelism ministry, so you've got to smile a little bit more often. <laughs> and I said, is that so? I said, I've got to check with Pastor Ben, because uh, last time I checked, it wasn't part of the role description. <laughs> so um, thank God for a partner who is brutally honest, yeah. says it how it is, you know. So we celebrated our eighth uh, wedding anniversary. Um, in, um, in June, I better get this right, June 25th, <laughs> June 25th, and uh, I forgot it was our wedding anniversary, so I went to work and came back, she said, where's my flowers? And I said, look, why waste money on flowers, darling, I'll get you some flowers. So I went down, picked a, picked a flower from the garden. It was one of those very bright yellow hibiscus flower, very pretty. Nasa, here's, here's a flower for you. Happy anniversary. Didn't go down very well. <clears throat> she said to me, Josh, you are a very unromantic, hard-hearted fellow. <laughs> I said, right. But, you know, I took her to a very fancy restaurant that night, you know, a place called Nando's. And they cook wonderful chicken and, you know, we had a great time. But I can see why. She, she has a point. 
and I'm very unromantic. I'm a hard-hearted fellow sometimes, but, you know, praise God that there's a guy upstairs who can use the unromantic, hard-hearted fellows to bring him glory. Amen? <laughs> so, this morning, I'm so excited to bring you the Word of God. This morning, I would like to turn your attention to the book of Daniel, chapter 2. If you have your Bibles... You can turn to the book of Daniel, chapter 2, verse 31. If you didn't bring your Bible, come and see me after church. We'll have a chat. <clears throat> so the book of Daniel, I love the book of Daniel because it is a key prophetic book. And it contains many insights into the end time prophecies. So in the year 605 BC, King Nebuchadnezzar, King Nebuchadnezzar was a superpower at that time. He was an emerging superpower. He was the king of Babylon. And he invaded Jerusalem. He invaded Jerusalem and took many Israelites captive. And he took them back to Babylon. And among these captives were four young men, very strong, healthy young men, intelligent, capable. And they were Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And because these men were strong and you know, intelligent and capable, the king decided, I'm going to refer King Nebuchadnezzar as king from now on. The king decided to recruit these men to serve in the royal palace of uh, Babylon. And in the second year of the king's reign as a king, King Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. The Lord of the heavens gave the king of Babylon, the superpower at that time, a dream. And the Bible says this dream was a very powerful and profound dream that it troubled his spirit. The king was very troubled in his spirit and, and the Bible says his sleep left him. In other words, he had sleepless nights. I mean, we all see dreams but sometimes you can see dreams that, that can rattle your cages. Yeah? Sometimes you can see dreams that can change the course of your life. Sometimes you can, you can see, see dreams that can, that can completely, completely give you sleepless nights. I've had a few dreams in the last couple of years. As a matter of fact, one few months ago, and I was just restless. I need to know what this dream means. Because it's going, to, it's going to change the course of my life. And I prayed and prayed and prayed. And I've shared with this, you know, with the dream with many people. I needed to know what this means. It was a godly dream. So likewise, King Nebuchadnezzar had this dream and he was troubled. So he was that troubled. He couldn't sleep. He called an urgent meeting. He called all the wise men, he called all the dream experts, he called all the astro astrologers and the magicians, and everyone's gathered around, and the king said, I had a dream, and my spirit is anxious to know the dream. And the dream interpreter said to the king, my lord, we can help you, please tell us what the dream is, and we can tell you what the interpretation is. And the king said, no. 
That's not how it's going to work. You are to tell me not only the interpretation of the dream, but you are to tell me exactly what I saw in the dream. I mean, that's pretty difficult. You know, next time you see a dream and you want to you wanna know the meaning of it, go to your friend who is a dream expert and tell them, I had a dream last night. You're going to tell me what that dream means and you're going to tell me exactly what the dream was. I bet most of them wouldn't be able to help you out. So if you tell me what the dream, the interpretation, if you tell me what the dream is, I will trust you with the interpretation, the king said. And all the magicians and the dream experts and the wise men said, King, you have asked a very, very difficult thing. We cannot do that. Please tell us what you saw and we can help you with the interpretation of the dream. And the king got so furious and frustrated and he, the, the anger just rose up in him. This is... Just remember, he's a superpower at that time. Nobody stands up to King Nebuchadnezzar. If he says he will do it, he will do it. And he said, you are to give me the interpretation or I'm going to execute all of you. I'm going I'm to burn all the houses. And nobody was able to come up with the interpretation of the dream And the king finally gave the orders to execute all the wise men. He finally gave the orders to execute all the magicians and and everybody in the palace, including Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So Daniel, a young man in his prison cell, heard about all the fuss that's going on, and he inquired about what the issue was. And the army chief of King Nebuchadnezzar said, The king had a dream and he's anxious. He needs to know the interpretation of the dream. So Daniel requested he consult with the king. And he did. And he said to the king, My lord, please give me some time. And I will give you the dream and the interpretation. And the king said, So be it. So Daniel went went back to the prison. And he prayed with his friends. And he said, Lord, have mercy on us. Help us. And that night, Daniel went to sleep and the Lord revealed the same dream that King Nebuchadnezzar had. He revealed the same dream to Daniel. So Daniel went to the king and he said, there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets. And he has made known to you what is what will be in the latter days. There is a God in heaven who reveals secrets and he has made known to you what will be in the latter days. So Daniel, if you could please put the scripture up. Oh, you got it. So here is, my Lord, this is what you saw. Daniel is about to explain to the king the dream. You, O king, were watching and behold a great image. This great image, whose splendor was excellent, stood before you, and its form was awesome. And the king said, yes, you saw exactly what I saw. This image's head was of fine gold, 
its chest and arms of silver, its belly and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. And the king is excited. You watched while a stone was cut out without hands, which struck the image on its feet of iron and clay and broke them in pieces. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver and the gold were crushed together and became like chaff from the summer threshing floors. The wind carried them away so that no trace of them was found. And the storm that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. This, my Lord, is the dream. And the, and the king said, yes, that is correct. Daniel, you have seen the dream the Lord gave me. So the king has finally settled down. And the king said to Daniel, because the Lord your God has revealed the dream to you, now I trust you with the interpretation. So go right ahead. And Daniel said, so if we can have the, um, if we can have the image, please, the first image, uh, Dan. The first one. That's the one. So this is the image that the Lord of the heavens gave King Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, the superpower. And this is the image. And Daniel said the image, it refers to four Gentile kingdoms, my Lord. So this image refers to the time of the Gentiles, which consists of four successive empires, four successive Gentile kingdoms that will be superseded by a fifth and an eternal kingdom. So God ordained that four Gentile kingdoms will rule this earth before the return of the Lord and, and Jesus Christ establishing his kingdom. So he gave this amazing prophecy to Daniel and everything is playing out exactly how it should. Everything already played out. Everything is currently playing out as we speak and everything will play out exactly how the Lord has spoken. So here is the interpretation, and the king is excited. And Daniel said in uh, verse 37, chapter 2, verse 37, You, O king, are the king of kings. For the Lord of heaven has given you a kingdom, power, strength, and glory. And wherever the children of men dwell, or the beasts of the field and the birds of the heaven, he has given them into your hand, and he has made you ruler over them all. And you, sir, is the head of gold. So as you can see, the head in the dream that Daniel had is of gold. The head of gold represents the empire of Babylon, particularly King Nebuchadnezzar. And that lasted from 605 B.C. to 538 B.C. And the king is excited. He's talking about, the Lord is speaking about King Nebuchadnezzar. But Daniel said, but my Lord, there will come a day 
your kingdom will be overpowered and overthrown by another kingdom, by another empire. In other words, my Lord, there will be a new world order. Verse 39, it says, But after you shall arise another kingdom that is inferior to yours. My Lord, there will be another kingdom that may be inferior to the empire of Babylon, but they will have sufficient power to overpower you, to overthrow your kingdom. And this kingdom refers to the Medo-Persian empire, which is depicted as the silver arms and the silver chest. They're made of silver. And this empire conquered Babylon in 539 BC, and they remained in power until 331 BC. And my Lord, then there is another kingdom. Verse 39, continuing on. Then another, a third kingdom of bronze, which shall rule over all the earth. My Lord, there will be another kingdom that will overpower the second one, which is made of silver. And this kingdom is represented as the bronze kingdom or the Greek Macedonian Empire, led by Alexander the Great who conquered many nations. Many of you know Alexander the Great conquered many nations around the world in a very, very short period of time. He was like, he, he, he was full of force, brutality. And this, my Lord, is the bronze empire. As you can see, the, the, the belly and the thighs are made of, made of bronze, representing the Greek Macedonian Empire. And this kingdom lasted from 330 BC to 30 BC, which is about 300 years before it was taken over by the fourth and the final Gentile kingdom that Daniel saw in the dream. The fourth kingdom, the Bible says in verse 40, and the fourth kingdom shall be as strong as iron. Inasmuch as iron breaks in pieces and shatters everything, and like iron that crushes, that kingdom will break in pieces and crush all the others. Now this kingdom is depicted as the iron legs. So iron implies ruthlessness, brutality, force. And this kingdom is the Roman Empire. As you all know, Jesus Christ suffered the brutal execution, the crucifixion at the hands of the Roman Empire. And the Roman Empire finished in AD 476. And the Roman Empire, as you know, subdued everyone who opposed them. Nobody was game enough to stand up against the Roman Empire. Now we move on to the fort, uh, verse number 40. We are moving on to the to the, to, the, to the end part of this dream, in verse 41, it says, Whereas you saw the feet and toes, partly of clay and partly of wine. So as you can see, um, thanks to Google, you can see a bit of wine and a bit of clay mixed in the feet and the toes area, which represents a fragile base for a huge monument like this. So this kingdom started from A.D. 476 and it will end at the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
you may ask, where are we in this whole picture? The time we live in is depicted as the feet part of this monument, which is a mixture of iron and clay, which represents diverse forms of government, diverse kingdoms. As you would agree, we live in a time where we have diverse governments, we have democracies, we have dictatorships. And it's not hard to say that we live in a day where we, have a, we are politically and religiously diverse and, and an economically globalized world. So the time we live in, in the prophetic dream, is exactly where that feat is. And the final phase, also remember, there's only four kingdoms. So we are in the fourth kingdom. Where we are is an, outer, an outgrowth of the fourth phase of this dream an outgrowth of the Roman Empire. So the final phase of the fourth kingdom is the ten toes, made of, once again, iron and clay mixed together, representing ten kingdoms, a confederation, a confederation of ten kingdoms. Now, this prophecy is yet to be fulfilled. This hasn't happened yet. And it is out of that system, the ten toes, there will be ten kingdoms ruling the earth. And out of that system will emerge the Antichrist. And in the book of Revelation chapter 5, it talks about a man who opens his mouth with pride and arrogance and he will blaspheme against the Most High God, talking about the Antichrist. That part hasn't happened yet. It is yet to be fulfilled. But, my friends, as I said, where are we in this whole picture? We are in the last days. We are in the end of times and that's where we are. And chapter number 40, uh, verse number 44, it says, And in the days of these kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. And the kingdom shall not be left to other people. It shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. Inasmuch as you saw that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, and that it broke in pieces the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver and the gold. The great God has made known to the king what will come to pass after this. The dream is certain and its interpretation is sure. The king is satisfied with the interpretation Daniel gave. You know, we have finally come to the end of the dream, the part of the dream that gave, uh, that, that gave King Nebuchadnezzar, I believe, and this, this is a part of the dream that gave King Nebuchadnezzar the sleepless nights. He talked about seeing a stone that was cut out of the mountain without hands, cut out of the mountain without any human hands. It has, it has a divine nature and eternal enduration. Representing the fifth kingdom that is superior to the previous four kingdoms. And you may wonder what this stone is. First Peter chapter 2 verse 6 says, Behold, I lay in Zion a choice stone, a precious cornerstone, and he who believes in him will not be disappointed. That stone, my friends, he is the great I am. 
And he is the King of Kings. He is the Lord of Lords. He is the wonderful counselor. He's the mighty God. He's the Prince of Peace. He is God's only Son. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the Great Shepherd. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He's the author and perfecter of our faith. He's the Lamb of God. He is the Most High God, the all-consuming fire. He is the resurrection and life. And ladies and gentlemen, that rock that hit and destroyed the whole image that the king saw. Thank you, Dan. That rock that hit the image and destroyed the whole image. And the rock that became a mountain is none other than our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus will establish his kingdom, a kingdom that will stand forever. A kingdom that cannot be destroyed is indeed the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. You may wonder why I shared from the book of Daniel this morning. Jesus said, nobody knows the hour of the time, but we ought to know the seasons we live in. When Jesus was discussing the signs of the times in the end of the age, he said in Matthew chapter 24, that no one knows about the hour of the time, not even the angels in heaven, not the Son, but only the Father. And he said, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, before people, for the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. Up to the day Noah entered the ark, and they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. As it was in the days of Noah. What characterizes the days of Noah? In the days of Noah, people were living in wickedness. People indulged in sexual immorality. People indulged in all kinds of sinful behaviors. Things that were unholy, things, things that are an abomination to God, they, they saw that as a normal thing. Instead of looking to the Lord and, and repenting and turning back to God, they, they, they continued in a, sinful, in a sinful way of life. They were wicked. They were unashamed of their actions. The situation got that bad, the Bible says, and the Lord was sorry. In some translations it says, the Lord regretted that he had made man on earth. And he was grieved in his heart. Strong words there. The Lord was grieved in his heart that he made man. And he said to Noah, enough is enough. He said, build an ark. And God said to Noah, these are the dimensions, these are the instructions, and you are to build an ark. And I'm going to destroy the earth and everything in it. And the Bible also says Noah was a righteous man. He was a preacher of righteousness. You know, he's, he's one of my all-time favorites. You think about it, that was a time where there was so much wickedness. It was a cancel culture. And Noah stood firm in the word of God. And you wonder why the Bible says he found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Because he spoke the truth. 
Man, I would rather be cancelled by the culture than be cancelled by the Most High God. He warned people of the great flood, the great destruction that was about to happen, and people were oblivious to the impending disaster that was about to, about to take place. God warned the people through Noah, they ignored. They walked past him every day, he's, he's, he's all made just working on his ark. They said he's a conspiracy theorist. He reckons there's going to be a big flood. He reckons there's a God up in the skies. Come on, man, just cut it out. Just go home. Come watch the Broncos game with me. You're wasting your time building this ark. We check with the weatherman. There's no rain coming, Noah. There's not a drop of rain in the forecast. Cut this out. Enough is enough. We are not going to believe what you're speaking And the time came and God said, shut that door. And the rain started pouring down 40 days and 40 nights. And sadly, all the, all the people who called him a conspiracy theorist, all the people, all the fact checkers ended up drowning. And Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be for the coming of the Son of Man. I see it as a privilege to be living in the climax of God's story for the church, as we saw in that image. And I'm so excited to be alive in these last days where God is raising up an army of people who would stand up for righteousness in a world that is perishing away, who would unashamedly stand for the things of God in a society that is ready to cancel you, for speaking the truth in a society that is, that is drowning in the pleasures of sin. Man, over the last few years, it's not hard to see what happened in this, you know, around the world. There was so much chaos and madness and, and, and division and grief and, and so forth. We live in a time where country, countries around the world are facing a moral degradation. We live in a time where we can see a dysfunctional mess all around the world. We live in a time where things that are unholy, things that are an abomination to God, is considered a normal thing. We live in a time where sexual perversion is seen as love is love. People identifying as all sorts of things. Man, you can play that game here, but there will come a day you will stand before the Most High God, the all-consuming fire, and you're not going to say, I identify as a believer. It's not going to fly. We live in a time where there's demonic madness in this world and it's doing nothing but destroying the very fabric of the society, it is tampering with the very design of God. We live in a time where things that are righteous and good are seen as weird and abnormal. 
The physical condition of this world is a reflection of the spiritual condition of the heart. You know, a society without God is a society heading in the direction of the broad gate that leads to destruction. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 4 says, The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. The enemy, the God of this age, has blinded the minds of the unbelievers, so they deny the existence of God. If you deny, if they deny the existence of God, if you don't believe there is God, then there is a banishment of the distance between right and wrong. And people started redefining morality to suit one's own self. And I believe we the church, we the followers of Jesus, true followers of Jesus Christ, have an obligation to help the world align their moral values, their principles to that of God. You know, a TV news reporter once said, we are going to talk about the selling and buying of the most, the most valuable commodity on planet Earth, and that is information. Information is the most valuable commodity you can get. If you have information of the whereabouts of the oil deposits are, if you have information of the whereabouts of, of the diamonds and the gold are, you'll be rich overnight. Information can even save you. If you're in a building that's on fire and you know where the exits are, the fire exits are, you can get out of the building. But if you don't have that information, your life could be in danger. Your actions and your decisions will be governed by the information that you know and that you don't know. Jesus said, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. It's only the truth that you know that will set you free. Why don't we all stand up? I've been, I've been looking at the time. I haven't done preaching in a long time, so I think, I think we're on track. Can we please request the worship team to come forward? If we could, if we could sing that song, Holy Forever. Man, the question for you this morning is, do you love Jesus? Then tell the world about him. And tell the world what he has done for you. The world outside is perishing right in front of our eyes. While there's so much chaos and madness going on, there's good things happening. There's a spiritual awakening happening in the hearts of people. I've spoken to many people outside. They would say, man, there's, yes, I see so much evil, but there has to be a God. They're desperate for the truth. Will you be bold and courageous to say that he is the way, the truth, and the life? Or would you be like in the days of Noah, just carry on, party away, business as usual, while the world is perishing? We are the hands and feet of Jesus. 
you know, there will be people that you will come across and you will be their one and only chance to meet Jesus. Let that sink in for a minute. You might say to me, Josh, I'm not a street preacher. I'm not an evangelist. I'm not a street preacher either. But God has given me the courage and boldness to, to latch on to every opportunity he opens up. And the worst I can, I can, I can cope is, mate, see you later. I don't want your God. God bless you. You're not going to get persecuted like, like Pastor Pinto from Bangladesh. But the reality is, my friends, Jesus is returning. I don't believe he's coming tonight. I don't believe he's coming tomorrow either. There are prophecies that are yet to be fulfilled, but we are in the end days. We are in the last days. Just like us, it was in the days of Noah. Nobody saw the rain was coming. Like a thief in the night, he will return. Will you be ready? And this morning... I would like to open up the, platform, uh, the, the altar here. I want, I want to invite you to come forward. Maybe you have traveled this God journey for, uh, for many years. And maybe the Lord has spoken to you this morning. And you are saying in your heart, God, give me the boldness to step out of my comfort zone. Evangelism starts in your house. And if that is you, you want, you want to be prayed for, for boldness to step out and tell the world about Jesus. And if that is you, come to the front. I would like to pray with you. We are seeing people at the courthouse, out in the community, people on verge of suicide. Finding hope in Christ. And maybe you are here today, you're on the fence about this whole Christianity business, you're not too sure about it, let me tell you, taste and see that the Lord is good. Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. He's changed my life. God said to Noah, shut the door. You know, what, what fascinates me is God said to Noah while he was constructing the, the ark, he said, put the door on the side of the ark, the door. There was only one door. And everybody who went through that door was saved. There was no two doors. There was only the door. And Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 9, I am the door. And anybody who comes through me will be saved. He is the door. And this morning, Jesus is inviting you to come through that door. He is the door. And if that is you, would you be bold enough? Would you be courageous enough to come forward? Because, you know, years ago, I was where you are. And I took the bold step to say, that's my king. He's my captain. He's my door. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He didn't say religion is the way. He didn't say church is the way. He didn't say feeding the homeless is the way, although they're all wonderful things. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And if that is you this morning, you want to give your heart to Jesus, 
come to the front. I would love to stand with you. It would be my honor to stand with you and pray with you. We're going to sing this song. Rach, thank you. I just want to bless you all. I hope God has spoken to you this morning. Don't just go home thinking, I just heard another sermon on evangelism. Go home, ask the Lord, what do you want me to do about it, Lord? Pray and ask the Lord, help me. Give me the boldness to step out. I, I, I'm, I'm tired of living this, living this moderate Christian life, going to church, sitting in the pews and going home. That's what I did for 30 years of my life. And it got to a point I was sick and tired of that lifestyle. And I said, God, use me or you're going to lose me. It's time to do business or I'm out going to the world. And he dealt with me on the second day of my prayer. And my life changed. You couldn't give me a million dollars and say, Josh, walk away from the Lord. I wouldn't do it. That's how good he is. So my friends, if that is you this morning, come to the front. We're going to sing this song. Praise you, Jesus. We give you glory. Amen.